0: Hey, hey, welcome back everyone to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm your host, Tom Morkus, and today I sit down with Kyle Gray, who's the author of The Story Engine and his most recent book, Selling with Story. How to use storytelling to become an authority, boost sales, and win the hearts and minds of your audience. In today's conversation, we talk about selling with story. What does it mean? How do we do it? What makes it work? And we dive into Kyle's book and specifically a template that he shares within the book and an additional resource kind of built in and around the book, which is this template he uses with clients to help them articulate the story of their brand or their business and of specific products. And I think my biggest takeaway from today's conversation is that story really does sell. And I'm noticing that more and more, that in this era of very noisy, uh, nonstop interruption based marketing techniques that you see everywhere so on any social media platform on anything you're doing you know even places that used to be more private like even an in inbox and stuff like that you just see there's things that are popping up and getting into your face with offers and things like that all the time and as a customer consumer everything just kind of becomes spam you filter it all out and you just ignore it unless something hooks your attention, unless something captures your attention. And I think you do that through storytelling. It's not through like an ad or a viral video or anything like that, only insofar as if that ties into your your broader story and the story you're telling about your products, your services, what you're selling. And so what I'm getting at is that in this hyper-competitive space, this very noisy space where everything just kind of gets filtered out, it's more important now than ever to be able to tell a good, compelling, engaging, consistent story for your brand, for your business, for the products that you sell. And this applies to anything. This applies to when you're launching a book or marketing an e-course or selling products and services online, physical or, or otherwise. It really is, I think more important than ever, and probably the most important thing when it comes to the sales of anything. So if you're struggling with sales, you may need to reconsider the story you're telling about what you're selling. Because if the story's not on point, I'm just not sure how anybody's going to ever find out about it. Or more importantly, or maybe just as importantly, refer it to other people. So you need a good story so people pay attention, they notice you, and then they kind of stick around. And you need a good story so that you're more easy to To be referred. And that's critical to have any success in this online marketing space, the digital space that we're in right now, where everything is just hyper competitive. You need referrals. And to be able to achieve referrals effectively, I think you need a good story. So it all really ties in together. So I'm going to leave it at that. This has been such a good conversation that I asked Kyle to come on again. We're going to do a live video chat about this. So if you don't catch that live, it's okay. We will be posting that and publishing that on my YouTube channel. You can go to slash. YouTube. And that'll take you to my YouTube channel where you can sign up to watch that video breakdown. where We're going to take you through this template and kind of walk you through this selling with story kind of structure, kind of step-by-step. Step. So if you're interested in that, make sure to go to tomworkis.com YouTube and to subscribe and you should see the video there. Or if you're subscribed, you'll see it when it comes out. All right, that's it for now. Let's jump into today's conversation. Okay. So Kyle, let's just jump into this. You have a new book coming out. Obviously, when people are listening to this, it may already be out. I want to talk about storytelling and selling with story. So this is something I know you've had a, a lot of experience with, well, selling through story. And in your original book, The Story Engine, I know is something that a lot of people have actually told me about. They've they told me that this is it's a book that I refer all the time anytime somebody's like needs help with content content marketing so you you're kind of a writer by trade i know the first time i met you that's actually kind of what you were doing when we were over in thailand and connected but tell me a little bit about this now like what is the evolution here this is more than just content marketing this is kind of more of like how do you actually sell with story so tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that evolution kind of follows my own path and understanding of marketing and and just where I've developed my skills and learned my journey. And it started at WP Curve, working with Dan Norris, which is where we cross paths. And um, the, the big challenges I had there, I did. It was part of storytelling. It was sharing the experience and the wisdom that was created in the evolution of this startup. And that back then the the way I was sharing the story was through creating great written articles, long form content. And I had the great privilege of working under somebody who was just a brilliant creator and always writing books and Making new things and kind of giving me a a glimpse into his process into making these things and how he did it. And a lot of it started to rub off on me. My first book was uh, actually not, didn't have anything much to do with marketing, but it was just kind of an an idea that I, or a statement I really wanted to make called The College Entrepreneur. And uh, that was all about how a college student could start a business while they're in school. And while I the book was really cool, really fun, um, I still think it's a really useful, valuable resource. It wasn't really connected with any other parts of my business or my life that I really wanted to explore and expand on. And about a year later is when I started writing The Story Engine, which it was my process that I learned through WP Curve of creating great content at scale at a level that uh, you can be competitive in today's really um, busy, noisy markets in content marketing with uh, scalable systems. And so finally, uh, while I was doing that work, I was still finding ways to go deeper with people and exploring story and exploring different forms of content. I lent myself to writing really long form articles, but something that, uh, something spoke to me about speaking. And um, it could have been maybe my musician background, for example, I used to play a bunch of music when I was 18, 19, 20. I actually applied for a performing arts school in Liverpool, England, thinking I was, yeah, going to learn to be a rock star. And I wanted to write these lyrics that you know changed people's minds and melodies that were unique and different. And I kind of found I I didn't end up going to the performing arts school. And I I didn't end up, I ended up putting a lot of pressure on myself in that early art. And I remember kind of moments of like sitting down and being like, I'm going to write a hit song right now or be damned and like try to strum the guitar and have it almost like whip up and hit me in the eye, you know, the broken string on the guitar. But uh, I started to, so I kind of got sour on music. But started to find that again in the creation process of writing good content, it was uh, interesting and engaging and fun. But there was still an element of actually getting up on stage and performing in front of people that really I found again in speaking. There was a there was an interesting there was a deeper element to not just creating the words but having a performance with it that really created this lasting experience. And so I learned more about that and how to tell a story and how to educate people in maybe a shorter amount of time, um, but in a much more personal and somewhat high stakes environment where instead of teaching somebody by writing really good articles over months and months and months at a time, this was making a big emotional and authentic impact within, you know, 20 or 60 minutes. And the the challenges were were similar but different. And but one thing that I found that I really enjoyed was a lot of the things that I had learned about creating a good content marketing strategy could also be applied to a story. And one of these things uh, which is something we've we've talked about a little bit before we got on the call was a proprietary process and how it can kind of serve as a foundation for any kind of storytelling you want to do, whether it's a webinar, a keynote talk, or whether you're working somebody through an enrollment call, or even if you're setting up a marketing strategy, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to research? How do you want to frame yourself as an expert? So, okay.
0: So this sounds like then if somebody's coming in and and reading this book uh, and and checking out you know, kind of what, what do you have on offer here? Is it would you say it's it's exc- it's for people who want to through presentation, through speaking sell? Does it apply because I know story engine obviously is about content marketing. Does it apply with this stuff? Does it apply to writing at all as well?
1: That's a great question. And yeah, some of the things I learned within speaking, I think apply to all forms. Yeah. What I would say this is for somebody who wants to find a way to quickly get clear on the value they provide and have a system to share that story of that value, no matter what system it is. Again, this system can be applied in a one-on-one enrollment call. It can be applied to a digital marketing strategy. It can be applied to a talk or it can be can be applied to your content marketing and help you create these stories. So it's very versatile. But uh, but. I think uh, the book has uh, a nice balance of the two kind of online and offline arts where upfront, it teaches a lot of these classic interpersonal storytelling techniques and methods and frameworks. And then the second part explains more systems and tools that you can use to automate and scale up your systems so you can drive results quickly with your story so building sales funnels essentially.
0: And so it would also help with like video too, right? Absolutely. Because I'm on a, a little bit of a video YouTube kick right now, so we'll see where it goes. But I've just been thinking about that a lot like um, in my business I've been using more video in follow-up sequences to sell different things and it's it's worked it works works really well. And so but I'm not even doing it well. I I can't I, there's no way because I don't follow any process. I just wing it. So I I'm, I'm actually super curious to break this down because stories like you you just know it somebody does it well you it clicks you just get it you're just like hooked by a good story in any capacity and some people but it's hard to kind of like deconstruct those things and think about them but it's something I've tried to do like even just through like email writing and and stuff like that through through the video stuff like what gets somebody hooked? What gets somebody paying attention? What gets somebody? What does energize them, or or what creates that emotion? So walk me through this. You mentioned proprietary process, like maybe that's a good place for us to start. If somebody's thinking about this, like you said, it's kind of foundational. So what does that mean? Like how do we approach the proprietary process? Creating our own
1: proprietary process. Yeah. So one of the first steps, and I have a template that um we'll we'll share in the show notes of this episode, so you guys can check out too. But the place you start with a process is you want to figure out a really clear a really powerful um, and compelling outcome for the person that you are describing the process to. So it kind of goes without saying, or um, but we, I th- still think it's worth saying that the foundation is always understanding your audience and really spending the time to talk to them and using specific language that they use. Classic kind of copywriting foundational stuff. But once you understand that, then you can start to kind of understand some outcomes that they want. And usually the first step is to brainstorm a couple of different outcomes and think about, are these clear? Are these contrarian? Are these unique? Are these addressing really big pain points? And kind of giving a little score on each one. But once you find a good outcome, that's the, the, the kind of the core of the process. And so around that, you can build a name. So maybe if it's you know if you want the key outcome to be have a book self-published on Amazon that makes bestseller, then you could create a process that's called the Lightspeed Bestseller mm. or something like that.
0: Let me pause you right there because I actually want to zoom in real quick on the on the outcome you promised. I actually think this is probably the thing most people really, really, really struggle with. Like
1: absolutely.
0: So when you're writing these things down, can you give us maybe some examples of what what is a good outcome for, versus a bad outcome? If I don't know if that's a, that's possible, riffing on that off the top of your head, maybe it's something you've done, or even with a client, or examples that you know of, where it's like, yeah, this guy's kind of really nailed the outcome piece.
1: Yeah. Um. So where I see this a lot, one one of the places I'm doing coaching right now, I look at a lot of people's webinar opt-in pages and Facebook ads, and they make their they make promises inside the ads, and a lot of times it'll be something like get a stronger core. And I would challenge somebody there and say, okay, well, that's not really an outcome that makes sense to me. Like you want a stronger core. And then usually it's just take people a little bit one step farther. You want a stronger core so that you either look good, you know, while you're naked or in your swimsuit, or maybe you want a stronger core so that your back doesn't hurt so much because you're, you know, a truck driver, or maybe you want a stronger core because uh, you're an athlete of some kind. Uh, but you would the message behind a stronger core for those each 3 people is a little bit different. And if you don't understand really who you're talking to, then you can't go deeper. And I think that's where a lot of people do get tripped up is because I think a lot of us spend a lot of time thinking uh, about what we do. And rightly so. We're all experts and we spend a lot of time training and honing our skills. But the language we use when we are using our skills and doing our work, the steps we take, the task management, all of these things that we've done to really stay organized doesn't necessarily need to be the inside the customer's purview. They just need to know how they're going to feel better and why you are the best fit for them. So this is
0: fascinating because I I think to myself, I'm actually doing something right now. And I kind of discovered this by accident, I think when I was was starting to do a a new webinar series and it was, well, I'll just lay it out because it's not like it's a secret, but influencer marketing method. And it was like how to build relationships and then turn those relationships into like lucrative and mutually beneficial, like promotions and sharing and stuff like that. And that like you and I, I could have a conversation with you about that and you get that. And there's a lot of people who just get that, like that makes sense. But uh, what I found was like, where it really clicked was when I was talking to authors about getting more readers. It's like, here's how you can get more readers by having influential third parties share your book with their, with their email lists. Okay. Now that's like super specific. And that's the thing that really clicked for people. It's kind of like when you describe the core, it's like, yeah, it's get, build a stronger core. Like mine is, uh, you know, leverage influential third parties and, and into, you know, into referrals. It, but that's just it. It's like, well, so what? Well, so what? It's like, well, if you're targeting the person like with back pain, Reduce your back pain by building a stronger core or crush the combine for the athlete. Like that's Those are two totally different markets, right? And it's interesting. So it's like, so what? And then that's where it's worth thinking about, like zooming in and saying, okay, how do I actually maybe go more narrow into a specific market? It's okay. If I'm trying to think, oh, I know this could help everybody. It's like, well, let's zoom in. Let's, say, let's zoom in on one group of people where it could help them the most, or it's the most obvious, or or something like that. Is that kind of how you approach this? Yeah.
1: Or again, it, it's uh, yeah. Usually, usually people can come up with the first half, you know, so that you can find a at The so you know, so you can ask them. So what? Because you can say, "Yeah, I'll fix the problem. I'll I'll install the software. I will do the thing." And so, but yeah, usually where where I come in and where I can assist a lot of people, or you know, really where um, it just it just bears asking yourself a couple more questions. Where so that is like, what do they really want? Because people, you know, we don't necessarily want like our You know, automation systems to uh, compute at you know 500 gigahertz per second or something. That's not a real number, but that would be a fake, really fast number. What we want is our systems to be automated so that we can step away from our computers and you spend time with our family Mm. or outside or doing whatever we want. And so you've got to really think like, what do they really, really want, and how can you? speak to that and that's creating again that's the human element that's that's bringing in bringing forward your values and understanding what you want and who you are can sometimes help you tap into those same values in your customer
0: okay this is great all right now the next step you said was like actually turning turning that into a name yeah like actually using that that outcome uh, almost like as a kind of a basis for naming it so talk me through that process a little bit like how you zoom in that i think that's really fascinating
1: yeah, this one um, this one is a little bit opaque even to me. It's one of my favorite things. I think if I could just... It would be fun to just have a job or a business where people just approach me and they just want me to come up with clever names for things. But um, you think about... You just think about the outcome or the result and you think about a name that speaks to that. So... Again, my kind of original example was to have a book self-published on Amazon that makes bestseller, and then you can call the name of your process the Lightspeed Bestseller. So you'll you'll have a best-selling book published for you in ninety days or something like that. And so by having that clear outcome that is tangible is measurable. Is you know you can you can tell that it will be done or it won't be done. Um, there's a lot of clarity, and it also seems like also part of that. I don't know. Maybe you mentioned this, but I,
0: I sometimes what I'm thinking, I start to like you know think through it a little bit, and but so maybe I'm just jumping to this conclusion. But at least in that example, it also sounds like part of it is what is the element. Of that process, like what is the edge? So Seth Godin and this is marketing, he kind of breaks that down. I think he had shared this before, but he has this like four this quadrant thing. It's like four quadrants, X, Y axis. And it's like pick two criteria, and then that's your edge, right? And so the classic example is like uh, delivery. So you have like uh, you know, security versus speed. So something that's like super secure and super slow, right? It's like armored car or something like that, something like fast and not secure at all or or something that's slow and not secure might be like you know hand delivery or horseback or bike or whatever right and it's like finding your edge but what's what's interesting about what you said with the light speed bestseller it's like the light speed so the edge there is the speed something about that kind of caught my mind is that part of that do you think there's something something there or am i just making this up
1: yeah, that's true. I mean, usually it's uh, like you were saying; it's it's usually a combination of two flavors. You get this without that, or you get this with more of this. You know, when and that that's really what helps people uh, differentiate and separate themselves from their competition. Um, because there's hundreds of people that can teach you about self publishing, for example. And this isn't a service I offer or anything. This is just a random example for anybody out there. Um, but uh, yeah having those those two different or having that extra element light speed and having that that's how you set yourself apart and again that could that could be a result of your your values or maybe your story like maybe for some reason your origin story was you had to write a book quickly because you were on a deadline and that's why you have to learn how to develop a process quickly to be able to have your book published to achieve a certain goal. And so that's how you can start to combine. Usually, your process, your, your your product is brought forward in some kind of element of you. Something about your story, your history, your nature is why you do what you do. And so connecting that with your story and your process, not only usually makes you work better and a more efficient person because you're tapped into kind of innate qualities in yourself and you're feeling your best self. But it also... You're able to communicate that unique value quickly because somebody again, if you wanted to be the light speed bestseller, people want to learn how to publish the book quickly. And uh, in your storytelling and in getting people engaged in that, you don't need to tell them about what uh, you need to do to get a book uploaded onto Amazon or formatted and or anything like that. There are steps you need to take, but that's not the story you want to tell.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. That's a lot of food for thought, and like like a process. Cause I'm like thinking to myself, I need to rework some of the, the names and titles of things that I've given. Cause I'm like, that's, that's super concrete though. Like I like that. It's actually makes, it makes naming things way easier, even though it's like still a challenge to like implement what you just said. It's like, when you think about it, it actually gives like the, I, what I like about it is it gives left and right kind of constraints for me to think about, am I, is this name actually something that anybody can really think of and, and use? It's like, yeah, I gotta go back through my stuff and make sure it is. It's like lightning best lightning or lightspeed bestseller, the example you give. I'm like, yep, yeah, I get that immediately when I hear it. I know, and maybe I'm biased because like I'm in the writing or publishing space, but I doubt it. It's like I almost think anybody could hear that and get it get an idea of what it's for. But especially your target market would know exactly what that's for. So I think that's super fascinating. So talk me through this. Like, what are the next steps after we come up with a name? You talk about the success path. I think is kind of fascinating. I don't know if I'm
1: skipping any stuff, but no, no, that's uh, that would be next. And so a success path is once you have your result picked out, you've got your your name for your process. Then you would come up with a few steps. So what are the steps that you need to take to get this result? Or um, sometimes uh, a lot of people I work with are like, well, my process is non-linear, and in a case like That I would say, what are the key ingredients? In fact, I sometimes call your proprietary process uh, grandma's lasagna because it kind of has that same effect that, you know, the meatloaf that grandma used to cook you when you were a kid and it was delicious. But the problem with that meatloaf is uh, you can't order it at a restaurant anymore because it doesn't taste good compared to what you had with grandma. But grandma wasn't using any secret ingredients. It was just that emotional connection. And so having your process and creating the success path is um, those ingredients into your secret recipe that creates that emotional connection and separates you from your competition. But anyway, I like 3 to 5 steps to keep things very simple, to keep things very... Easy to memorize. If you start thinking about even like three is great. Um, more than that, it gets hard to remember and it gets hard to teach on. You can always have a presentation or a sales call based on these three steps or five steps. But anyway, you would for light speed bestseller or something. We could say something like step one: prep your book. Step two: write the book. And step three: publish it keep it really simple. But also what I what I like about in good individual steps is using the same kind of naming philosophy of speaking to the individual steps. And I'll tell you a different story about actually a doctor I was working with a couple of weeks back. And she helps moms help their kids get better gut health. And so gut health is kind of a new... World of health right now. And um, when kids get poor gut health, they end up having kind of a lot of temper tantrums. They don't perform as well in school and they just have behavioral issues that with better gut health can be resolved quickly. And then at first I was talking to her, okay, so what's your proprietary process? And I can't remember the name at the time, but the steps were like, so step one is eat more vegetables. Step two is eat fermented vegetables. And I was like, okay, hold on, wait a sec. So when you're presenting to your target audience, these moms, you're gonna tell these moms to tell their kids to eat more vegetables? That's what's interesting here. They're gonna be so mad at you if you tell them that because like, that's the most obvious thing. So what's really going on here? Why are you talking about this? And she said, well, I have this unique way of getting even the pickiest eater of kids to be interested in trying new foods. And uh, it's worked really, really well and it's worked amazing with my clients. And so I teach the moms this technique to get their kid eating food. And so then I was like, wow, so that's actually a really, really powerful thing. It's not getting the kids to eat vegetables, but it's getting the kids open to eating. And so instead of uh, dinner time being this tantrum, you know, scary, Battle to give the kid some broccoli, you and here comes the name, make the kid an adventurous eater, or you know create an adventurous eater, so that's much more interesting and engaging than eat vegetables right
0: hundred percent that's okay, fascinating so so you basically you want to extract those things it's, you can't just like what's interesting about that one is eat vegetables, they were kind of redundant or there's some like crossover there's it wasn't anything special, but it was what what's interesting is ultimately her thing is about like consuming certain types of food, but what ends up being a limiting factor for parents will be getting the kid to eat the food in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that is actually a critical part of the process. Am I kind of capturing that correctly? Like basically don't ignore the precursor steps to the thing that you're teaching.
1: Well, it was the real value because it was obvious you know to everybody that eating vegetables is a good thing. Eating fermented vegetables is a little less obvious, but still um eating vegetables is pretty obvious. But what's not obvious and where the real value is was getting the kids open to having vegetables. And so that's kind of that's usually where the magic lies is spending the time thinking about kind of where that non-obvious value is for the result. A lot of us can again think about yeah, once you start getting kids eating healthy, then they're going to be healthier. But again, the challenge, where's the challenge and where's the real value? And it's that constant battle that a mom has to fight getting their kid to eat or you know being having to steal themselves up to be like okay well, I've got to feed them these vegetables, but I know they hate it. And so yeah it's finding where where the unique value you add to the formula is. Everybody knows each vegetables, but here's how you're really going to get them to eat the vegetables mm. That's where the power is in the and the storytelling and and just that's when you can tap into those things that's when you really start bringing stuff forward to your audience.
0: If we can riff on that same idea maybe for a second because I think it's a good one How would I take that? Like knowing, okay, we figured out that that's like the I like the the way you described it it as like a non-obvious, non-obvious hook, non-obvious solution. You know that piece that really actually stands out that is as being like your unique sauce, so to speak. Well, if I take that, then how do I describe that, or how do I turn that into like how would you have taken that then and turned that into her process, for instance? Like, is that step one? Or is that like, how, how do you take that? Because that's a brilliant idea. How do we, what do we do with that?
1: Exactly. So that would be step one. okay And you would string together maybe three or four steps. And so we ultimately ended up with three steps. She had one take out the triggers and we renamed that. It was oriented around not like understanding kind of behavioral triggers in your child and eliminating or diffusing those. So just like interacting them, especially around food situations is much easier. And then her final step was rest and digest. But really, this was actually steps for the mom to take care of themselves. And so we I changed the name or I suggested the name change. We collaborated on it and came up with Healthy habits for better moms, um, and and frame them in a way to uh, because a mom typically wouldn't want to take care of themselves. If they have energy to spare, they'll they'll give it to their children or taking care of somebody else. And so we frame these things as actually these improve you as a mom. And so if you combine the creating adventurous eaters, taking out the triggers, and and having healthy habits for the mom as well then that creates the healthy gut happy child, which is the name of that process. And so those three elements together—that creates the process. And you can say on a sales call, "Here's what we're going to do. We're going to create an adventurous eater with your child. We're going to take out the triggers so that any of these kind of behavioral things that set them off and start to upset them, you're going to know how to handle them, and you're always going to be ready for them, especially around mealtime because that's where we where we really need to do to improve this child's health. Finally, uh, we're going to work on your healthy habits to be a better mom because if you're healthier than your child's health actually improved and so it's imperative that you're getting enough rest and being ready to meet the day and serve your child as best you can and so you can walk through that but that could also you know be extended into a webinar or it could just be if you meet somebody in the store and they're like well what do you do and you're like well i help you know have, uh, create happy children through healthy guts and so on and so on and so it creates these this versatile system having each of these steps.
0: Yeah, because you can extract the one you need to for the conversation you're having, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And so carrying on from that, I have a a little checklist about I like to have uh, various different stories prepared for each different concrete step on the success path that you outline. And I think there's 5. And if it's alright, if I share them,
0: Oh yeah, I'm actually looking at them right now. We're gonna we're gonna get through at least all these five. If we can't get beyond that, we're definitely gonna do let's we'll do a follow-up episode or something like that. But let's dig in and see as far as we can get with this because this is super fascinating to me.
1: So you don't have to have like all five of these for each teaching point, but it's good to have a couple for each one and at least cover every single one between all your of your steps. But you want to have something you're saying about this that nobody else is saying, something that's unique that sets you apart. You want to, number two, have a success story of a client who used this step or a client or a friend or uh, even a third party example, but somebody who's, who's applied the teaching or something similar to the teaching and benefited from it, but you can speak to it. You, it's really good to have another story. There's a, a way to create urgency. Financial planners have, have a good one for this where they would say something like the tax cuts, you know, aren't going to be around forever. There's a limited window of opportunity to take advantage of these things. And so being able to sit, talk like that and create that urgency within your teaching, within your storytelling. One thing when you're telling a story, you're teaching people and they're open and ready to listen and their, their minds are open and ready to take in information. Excuse me, I'm, I'm going on a tangent. Now. Number four is a quick win if you have a story or an idea or something that you can teach them about this teaching point that they can take away immediately start to get good results again on kind of like a financial planners thing this could be showing somebody a tax loop that you know with one with one small thing can save them whatever $30,000 in taxes every year if you rent your house out you know to your employees or if you use your house with your employees and get this or that I'll withhold from specific examples because I'm not a financial planner. But And then finally, for number five, you want to have something for beginners or experts. And again, you want to have something for both of them or be alternating during your presentation. So everybody feels served and everybody feels resonating with what you're saying. So this could be, uh, again, a really simple entry-level tip. And then on your next teaching point, you give something for the experts to enjoy too.
0: And so so you're saying these are 5 points and you don't need to use all 5. But could you? And I guess like, when should I try to like... what? What's like the minimum number I need for it to be really captivating? I guess captivating.
1: Yeah. So... Uh, It depends on what you want to use these for. Again, it's nice to have all five ready all the time because then anytime you're on a conversation or you have a question, um, you're pretty much you have a move or you have a story ready for any kind of situation. But if you wanted to have like a good keynote presentation, you might just use one or two of these story elements per step that you teach on on your in your process so you would you would give a talk about your process and in step 1 maybe you'd say something that nobody else is saying and then you'd share a quick win and then in step 2 you give something for beginners and you share a client success story and then step 3 again you you create urgency and you say something for experts, but it makes it easy when it's all mapped out. And if you do have it all available for you, then you're like, okay, well, I need a talk. I know that people are going to be, there's going to be a lot of experts in this audience, and they're going, you know, a good quick win for them would look like this. And you can actually start to just piece together your presentation online or offline. And uh, you can map out your enrollment calls or your sales calls uh, in the same way.
0: This is maybe a strange question. Why are these the five story elements? Like they all make sense to me instantly. But at the same time, I'm wondering, like, like when I look at a quick win um, or something for beginners or experts, it's like, yeah, that makes like all makes sense. Are there more than this, or is this is this actually just like all of them, like all the story elements that you could have, or are these just like the five that you've found like most effective and easiest for people to like implement?
1: So these are in particular good story elements for when you are teaching. Teaching. So, okay. Teaching and selling. It's kind of teach to sell. Yep.
0: That makes sense, and
1: it's a way to teach where you're not giving away, you know, all of the information for nothing. You are creating a desire, but you are educating and you are changing. There, you're you're usually teaching to change people's beliefs about what's possible, what they can do, and what problems they need to solve. And then, once they become a client, then you teach them how to solve the problem. Where most people, I think, just teach. How to solve the problem right away. And so these are storytelling techniques that you use while teaching, again, while you're presenting, while you're in an enrollment call, or just in conversation, but you're teaching and you're storytelling. And so these are very useful ones to always have stories that are engaging to your audience that make people want to lean in and work with you more. There's other story elements. This doesn't really cover, like, if you want to have an emotionally engaging and enticing. Opening story for your talk. This isn't these aren't the story elements that that you necessarily want. There's a kind of a different system that you would use for those. But so that's a good question, and I hope I answered it. Yeah, elements around teaching.
0: Yeah, I think so, and I realize like there's a few other things I wanted to get through, but I know we're going to be kind of tight on time. I guess a couple things that stand out to me is maybe being worth exploring right now for the rest of this conversation. Like if we can hit a few more points, possibly the buyer's journey mindset, or what I want to do is just kind of give it back to you from where we're at right now. If there was like another critical point or two that you think would be worthwhile for someone to take away from this, what would it be? Would it be going to that buyer's journey, or is there something else that's more critical? Like if somebody could take away from this episode of what we have. I think what we have already is great, but there's, I know there's a bunch more I'd want to talk about. I don't know if we'll have time to get through all of it today.
1: Yeah. I think, um, discussing, closing it up around the bios journey mindset is a, is a good way. And I think this does speak to, uh, again, how you would tell stories or who, how you, um, especially this is great for social media, online marketing and kind of bigger brand marketing but there's there's kind of a simple framework with no like and trust in the uh, in the buyer's journey mindset and um, you want to be able to understand where you're telling these stories and who you're telling them to the people who aren't aware there's people who aren't aware of you at all and they might not even know that you have a problem or that they have a problem that you can solve. You know, if for example, you are a yoga teacher and you are wanting to sell yoga classes to somebody who's maybe never done yoga before, never considered it before, versus somebody who you know maybe already has their yoga teacher training and has been doing it for the last 10 years. Those are going to be 2 very different people. And so first with no, you need to tell a story that you need to share reasons why your customer should care about the problem and even introduce the problem itself. And so sometimes these are are manifestos or inspirational videos or short tips or these are very these are kind of the the videos that go viral that are are very good to share. They make you feel good. They make you feel smart. And uh, yeah, the stuff that you always see kind of creeping across YouTube. And it's usually this tapping into this, no, this kind of higher level, shorter attention span kind of mindset. The next up is like these people know you exist and they are interested in solving the problem, but it's not usually the most, the biggest problem and something i want to kind of say is like probably your audience whoever they are they have a bunch of problems and they decide which problems they want to solve based on one of three things the most painful which is like if my hair is literally on fire then i don't care about my email service provider right now i got to get my hair off fire the second one is like the highest if it has a a really obvious upside that you'll want to solve the problem or third Um, which is a little less known, but it's like, it's a problem that you feel empowered to solve. So if again, I want, maybe I wanted to do yoga, but I don't know how to do yoga. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna start or take an action if you can. And so where light comes in and teaching to sell comes in, is again, giving people enough information to give them a foundational understanding about the problem, show them where they need to go to take steps to improve themselves and get them interested in it and show them qualities that will resonate with them. And so this is usually more in-depth kind of content. These are longer how-to videos. These are your long articles. These are your great lead magnet downloads. And then finally, trust. This is a mindset that's reserved. It's a very small number of people because usually they make their purchase and then they're gone. So they're they're ready to make a purchase. They're researched and they're ready to go. And what they want to learn from you um, in this mindset is how can they trust... They want to know that they can trust you to get results. But again, I think the more overlooked thing is that they want to trust themselves to get results. And that's again why teaching to sell is so important. Because when you're addressing people's beliefs about what's possible for them, you want to show them That they can believe in themselves, getting the results that you promise, and that working with you will get them there as fast and as easy as possible.
0: So this is probably something that we'll have to discuss some other time. Because, but I was just making me think. This is all great. Like I think this is. There's not much more I need to clarify in these at this point. But I was just thinking about the buyer's journey and then the hero's journey. We've had some conversations about this. Maybe we'll do we'll do that that next call about this and, and touch on this a little bit. But like in the in the hero's journey, what I think is fascinating about the hero's journey is like there's certain things that have to happen but they actually have to happen in a specific order and so it's like like the call to adventure can't happen after you know something after the climax or something like that it would like it wouldn't that wouldn't be a story anymore right so like the story itself would like disintegrate if you if you shift parts of like the actual journey uh and and what i'm getting at is like like if you focused if you're trying like if you're going from knowing to trying to trust or to trust know to trust and you skip the like piece and like all those critical elements in there, how do you ever get the sale? Or if you ignore the knowing part, you're just kind of going straight to like trying to do like this trust building or the note, like that, the liking piece You can't, it's like a part, you, if you miss pieces of this, the, re- the rest of it collapses. Do you feel that that's the case? Again, or am I drawing conclusions from from thin air?
1: Um, No, it's actually one of the processes I explore. This is actually the system that you're asking about is the system that you would use to create a good opening story. I call it the crossroads formula because I noticed when in researching the hero's journey and the buyer's journey, that actually this, this process of know, like, and trust actually follows the same. The hero sees they have a problem They set out to solve the problem. And uh, they realize they have to work a little bit harder than they thought to solve it and they return home better and smarter. And that's the same kind of journey as a buyer realizes they have a problem and they realize it's going to be a bit of an investment, but they they meet a guide to help them solve it and then they solve it and they become better and happier people because of it.
0: I love it. And we could we could go off I seriously into a deep end with just that. and I actually want to. So for everybody's listening, let me know what you thought of today's podcast. I We got to wrap it up here today. But shoot me an email or post on social, tag Kyle or tag myself. Let me know if you found this fascinating. I want to do a follow-up or or leave a review on the podcast. I want to do a follow-up to this. Maybe dive even deeper into this stuff. I really think it's... I'm so fascinated by it right now. I think story is... I'm coming to this realization that story is like everything. For everything you do, it ties into everything. The stories we tell ourselves, stories we tell the buyer, the stories... I don't know. Just everything about it is so fascinating to me. So I'm really digging this stuff. And I just hope everybody who's listening is digging it as much as I am. Kyle, I know this is your wheelhouse so i know you dig it too so like i'm super excited to to just go deeper into this maybe on another mother of the podcast episode of a, a video or something like that interview live one that we could do
1: i would be honored yeah thank yeah, you so much for having me may i uh share a little bit about where they can go to check out the book i was just gonna say where 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 can they go Let's go to SellingWithStory.co, and you can, if it is before May fifth, you can go there to sign up to learn how to get the book for free before it launches. And if it is after May fifth, then that will be where you can go to check, read a little bit more about the book, and um, check it out on Amazon. It'll be available on Kindle, on paperback, all over where Amazon is.
0: May fifth. I love it, Kyle. Thank you so much for being on In the Trenches, man.
1: Thanks for having me, Tom.
0: Are you trying to grow your online business, but struggling to get new customers consistently and predictably? Are you tired of working nonstop only to see your income plateau? Are you ready to step off the hustle hamster wheel, as I call it, and step onto a path of predictable profit that you can scale as much or as little as you want? Don't worry, you're not alone. I've been there. When I first got started, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I started reading blogs and listening to podcasts by people I respected and wanted to learn from. I slowly but surely put their recommendations into practice. But because I wanted to do it all myself, maybe you, you're something like that, right? And You love to do, do it by yourself, learn through trial and error. Well, bottom line is it took forever. Results were unpredictable when I was first getting started. I wasn't sure where to spend my time, money, and energy. And shiny penny syndrome got the best of me on more than one occasion. For many entrepreneurs, the amount I sacrificed working literally nonstop in some cases in my spare time and 12- and 14-hour days routinely after going full-time, combined with the endless fog of war, aka that uncertainty that I had to deal with at all times because I was going it alone, I think that would have been enough for most entrepreneurs to throw in the towel. But I was persistent, focused, and I stayed humble. Day after day, I worked to grow the traffic to my website, increase my list of subscribers, and generate a healthy living for my eBooks, e-courses, and other digital products. At least that was the goal. But maybe more important than the work, was that I paid attention to what I was doing, including what worked and what didn't. Eventually I discovered a predictable pattern of growth. And so what I did was I just doubled down on those things and I scrapped or sidelined the other things that weren't working so well. Finally, two years after resigning my commission as a captain in the army and going full time on my online business front with my blog, with my podcast, et cetera, I replaced my income with digital product income, two years. And so if that's where it stopped, I would have been happy with it. I would have been happy with the results. I wouldn't have complained. I would have been very content just replacing my income. But the bottom line is it was so much work. I wanted to you know, see if it could go somewhere else, right? So I just kept doing what I was doing, but better, faster, and more effectively. Again, just kind of applying the same system that I discovered uh, from seeing these patterns emerge, right? So I implemented it. I kept doing it. And eventually, replacing my income turned into doubling my income. And then that turned into a little bit more and a little bit more. But not just that, it afforded me the freedom to dictate my day and also choose the projects I want to work on, on the schedule and on the timeline I want, and to work with the people I want to work with. And to me, that's like a whole new level of freedom, especially coming from the military. It's something I've never really had that level of complete autonomy until I became my own boss. I started my own business, and until ultimately until it became profitable enough for me to start to take a step back and actually reap the rewards of it. Because it's not all just working, working, working. And I do believe it's hard work. And I'll always say that nothing about doing this stuff is easy. But at the same time, you've got to reap the rewards at some point and take some of that profit, Uh, even if you're just reinvesting it into new assets and things like that. Bottom line is, it can't just be work, right? Entrepreneurship and business is about that result that occurs, the value you've created and the profit that That piece of value that you've captured. Okay. And you want to be able to reap the rewards of that profit, of that value, that little sliver of value that you get to capture, that you get to net, right? You want to be able to take advantage of that. Otherwise, you know, the entrepreneurship game really does become just a grind. And and for, I think, a lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, it becomes meaningless. And that's when they quit. Well, for me, I love this stuff. I really, truly do. I mean, it is my thing. And so that's why I didn't just stop where I was at. I've stayed committed to learning everything I can about all aspects of this online business world and this online marketing world. And I do this through real-world application. In other words, I'm currently growing several online businesses and I'm always putting my ideas to the test in real time with my own money, with my own time and energy, oftentimes with employees, you know, a lot of some some stuff more advanced, some stuff more simple, but you know, so varying levels of complexity, and again, in different spaces, different niches. And I can say, you know, bottom line, I've always loved the startup hustle, but I gotta say, it's nice to now be in a position where I can get big results with much less effort, thanks to having built the foundation of my business the right way. And again, I did it all through trial and error, but I don't think that that's the way that everyone needs to do it. And in fact, looking back on it, if I had to redo it, I don't know if I would. It was so difficult to just go it alone and try to figure everything out by myself. So one of the things I've tried to do is give back with this podcast, with my blog, and with my newsletter. But maybe even more rewarding than any of this stuff, while I've enjoyed all of it, I think the thing that I'm enjoying the most, that I find most engaging and rewarding, is the premium business mastermind and coaching program I run called 100K Academy. Inside 100K Academy, I help ambitious entrepreneurs who are very driven and excited to be doing what they're doing. I help them grow their reach, their influence, and their profit using my proprietary marketing system. That's the same one I use to scale my own online businesses from zero to multiple six figures and beyond, and the same system I use to help my clients reach the New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller lists, set Kickstarter funding records, and create viral product launches that have turned into predictable revenue streams. So, lots and lots of case studies that you could find at tomorkis.com. If you're curious, just go to tomorkis.com/slash/about, and that'll get you started. Most importantly, this system is one that 100K Academy members and alumni have used to achieve tremendous results, like Alexa who used it to have her most profitable year ever. Or Tina, who used it to make five figures from a sales funnel that she can now replicate and scale. And that's exactly what she's doing. Or Carrie, who made over $75,000 in just seven days. And the crazy part about his story was that his online business was actually a side hustle up until that first profitable launch, which he has then been able to grow and scale. And he subsequently quit his job following that very successful week. And I think that that has been just a game changer for Carrie and the life he's living the work he gets to do and the impact he gets to make on the world because of the great work he's doing now. Because he was able to figure out a system that would get him the targeted traffic, the subscribers, the sales to grow a profitable online business. Bottom line, if you want to grow your online business from six to seven figures, but you flatlined or you're struggling, or you just want to be told what to do and when to do it and in what order, right? And you want a system that is Predictable and scalable, and isn't just you know another shiny penny, but actually will fit right into your business. It plugs in and is something that you can truly grow. I want you to go to tommorcus.com/academy. That's tommorcus.com/academy. Academy is spelled A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Go to tommorcus.com/academy, and you'll find a page on my website with more details about 100K Academy, the business mastermind coaching program I run, as well as instructions on what to do next. Again, that's TomMorcus.com slash Academy. And if you're serious about growing your reach, influence, and profit, just follow the instructions and we'll be in touch, okay? Again, TomMorcus.com slash Academy. Go ahead and head over there now. That's it for today. Stay frosty.